No one likes to be told what to do, especially teenagers. My daughter's junior year of high school was rocky. As hard as I tried to allow her to to assume responsibility for her decisions and actions, I kept stepping in and trying to control the situation. It was stressful and frustrating for both of us, and it damaged our relationship. But thankfully, I learned how to handle such situations better, and our relationship has recovered. In this episode, I want to share three principles that I try to follow so that I can help my children own their actions without nagging. It's hard to step back and not nag our children, especially when we think that they should be doing something they aren't or that they need to stop doing something they are doing. The reason doesn't matter. They aren't doing what we think they should do. But why are you nagging in the first place? For me, it's usually because I want to help them develop a life skill or remove stress from our lives. These are good motivations, but they're still not reasons that I should nag my children. Besides, nagging does not work to change long-term behavior. Instead, I try to follow three principles that help me to not nag. The first two I learned in the book, Losing Control and Liking It. If you have not read this book, I highly recommend it. It is a fairly quick read. It's written in a very conversational style, and it really helped me to apply these principles. I'd heard them before, but something about the way he wrote it really helped it stick. And I'm sure you've heard the third principle before, but you may not have considered it in this situation. The first principle is to remember to be a holder and a folder. So this is terminology from the book, Losing Control and Liking It. He explains that a holder is someone who is responsible for what they can control. For example, I said I would take out the trash tonight, and I do. A folder is someone who refuses to grab what isn't your problem. You do not take responsibility for what is not yours to control. In the previous example, It was my child's responsibility to take out the trash. They didn't do it. I felt sorry for them, so I did it instead. This is so hard. I want to save my children from discomfort. I want to help them and make things easier for them. But if they're not given the opportunity to be a holder for themselves and be responsible for what they can control, they will not develop the skill to be a holder. So I have to fold my hands and not try to grab their problem. I think this was one of the most helpful aspects from the book is the image of holding and folding. I can remind myself that when I want to jump in and save my children, I need to fold my hands and hold what's my responsibility and allow them to hold what's theirs. I don't need to grab it and take it back. This has helped me to listen empathically and ask questions to help them think through a situation instead of giving them advice before they ask for it or just stepping in and doing it. The second principle that I try to follow is to establish rules for engagement. I loved this advice in the book. Tim Sanford said that there are two reasons for rules, to keep safety in and to keep chaos out. It's important for you to consider the reasons for your rules, and he provides some principles that you can follow when creating the rules for your household. 
I try to keep the rules limited, as Tim had suggested. The fewer rules, the easier it is to enforce them. Instead of a lot of rules, we try to use natural consequences to help shape their their actions and their attitudes, because in reality, that's what they're going to experience in the real world. When my daughter went to college, we decided that having four rules for our household would be helpful for all of us. Following Tim's advice for interacting with an adult child, I thought about the rules that I would have for any adult staying with us. And I realized that there are four things that really bother me and annoy me the most. So I created a rule around those four items, things like all of your personal belongings will be picked up and put in your room at the end of the night. And I had a consequence that followed with it. And I printed these out and put them where we could all see them. And she has told me that she really appreciates knowing what she needs to do, and she has abided by those. It has reduced a lot of the stress and frustration that comes particularly with having a college student come home for the weekend and bring all of their stuff for the weekend. The third principle that I try to follow is to look for the positive aspects of the situation. It is so easy to notice what bothers and annoys you. And when I get annoyed, I tend to focus on that negative aspect of the situation and what she's doing that frustrates me. But what we focus on is often what continues to happen. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. During my daughter's junior year, all I could see was what she was doing poorly. And I realized this and had to make a conscious choice to look for what she was doing well. If I continued to focus on the behavior that she was doing poorly, she would feel defeated. She would have no motivation for trying to improve and do um, anything different. But I wanted to help her succeed. So I had to encourage the behavior that I wanted to see and to not mention the behavior that I wanted to diminish. I chose to bring up the poor choices only when it became a safety issue. I didn't always do this well, but that that was my goal. That's what motivated my thoughts and what I tried to point out to her. I tried focusing on the positives, and it was difficult to do this many days, especially in the beginning. So what helped me was making a habit of writing in a journal what I was proud of her for doing. I would write down what I saw her doing during the day, things that I wanted to encourage, and I would try to mention them to her at some point during the day, but even just writing this down allowed me to change my thoughts and it helped me to look for more and more things that I could celebrate with her. I tried to do this at least three to four times a week during her senior year. And then I presented this book to her when we dropped her off at college. During her senior year, it was a reminder to me of how much she was growing and maturing. It allowed me to remember that even if she was having setbacks, even if she wasn't doing all the things that we thought she should be doing, she was improving and she was growing. It allowed me to know what I wanted to focus on and encourage. And now, during her freshman year of college, It is providing her with encouragement on difficult days. She can look back and read these and remember, I'm making progress. I am capable. I can do this. 
I assume that if you are still listening, you probably struggle with this too. And you don't have to make a 180 degree turn all at once. Just choose one thing that you can do to help you not nag your children. If you're on Instagram, hop on over and let us know what you're going to do. That one little thing that can help you shift your thoughts to not nagging your children. You can post it and tag me. I'm at Crystal J. Wagner, and that's W-A-G-N-E-R, or add a comment to the post that I have up about not nagging your children. And if you want to learn more about this and how you can shift your mindset, I'm hosting a workshop about the Influence Factor Parenting Continuum on March 4th or 7th. And you can sign up for this workshop waiting list using the link in the show notes and be the first to know when registration opens. And if you're listening to this later, it's okay. You've not missed out. You can still sign up for the waiting list and I'll let you know when I offer it again. Until next time, remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you have been called to have a unique impact on the world. Let your light shine as you share your gifts, talents, and passions with the world. Thanks for joining me on the Purposeful Impact Podcast. I pray that today's episode blessed you and that you found encouragement and practical tips. If so, would you share this episode with someone else so that they can be blessed too? I'd also appreciate it if you would take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review in your podcast app. Leaving a review helps other homeschool parents find the podcast and know if it's a good fit for them. Thanks so much for helping to spread the word.